0: tonight is just simply titled Revival Foundations. And man, there's so many things that we could say about this topic of revival, you know, just going through a Bible study. Uh, we could talk in detail about all the, the different revivals that have happened. Uh, you know, again, going all the way back to the Word of God and up to, not only up to our modern times, but just literally uh, around us now, the wonderful things in the news uh, of what God is doing, um, reviving hearts and, and touching lives and working so so beautifully. So, you know, here, here's the bottom line with it. God longs to bless people with mighty outpourings and moves of His Spirit. You know, uh, during the, um, the time that was uh, a, a revival time uh, called the, the First Great Awakening, there were folks that referred to themselves as deists, And the deists uh, were were those that basically said that God was, um, the picture they used was God was a clockmaker, that God got everything all started on earth and and you know that he just went away and just kind of left us to fend for ourselves with with what he left behind and you know in in, in the Bible and you know and so forth, uh, but that's actually such a non-biblical picture. That is a non-truth. That is false. That is a lie. Uh, the beautiful thing about the new covenant is that we not only have where the Holy Spirit comes upon people at different times, but now in the new covenant, we live with him in our lives, in our hearts. We literally carry Holy Spirit around on the inside of us. So, you know, it tells us in in Hebrews that it's a far better covenant. Man, I'll say. It's, you know, it's a covenant where God's not off somewhere watching from a distance. Uh, you, You know, that's not the picture. God longs to have ongoing interactions with his people, right? I mean, we see it in Scripture, He inhabits the praises of His people. But you know what? We cool off, don't we? Right? We're, we're you know, sold out. We're on fire for God. We, we read in, in Revelation where one of the rebukes that the Lord gives to, to the one church, He says, hey, you've lost your first love. You know, that's the way of saying you, you let your fire cool off, you know, let that, let that fire get stoked again. So, so God, you, you know, it, it's his, his desire to bless humanity with mighty outpourings and moves of his spirit. And this is not only uh, on a corporate level, like when we talk about some of these mass scale revivals, but how many know that that's on a very personal level as well? God wants to bring revival. You know, uh, so individual scale and large scale. Hey, let's take a look at Mark chapter 16, uh, verses 15 to 20. Uh, this is Jesus. He, Jesus said to them, "'Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned.'" and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name they will drive out demons they will speak in new tongues they will pick up snakes with their hands and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well after the lord Jesus had spoken to them. He was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it that's a picture, you know, the, the, the beginning of the church. You know, we read in, in uh, Acts chapter 2 with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you know, this is, you know, the first revival, you know, as, uh, as the, the New Testament church is born. And ever since Pentecost, revival is something the Lord has used to bring incredibly large groups of people into His kingdom, usually in a relatively short period of time. Just something really significant that God has done. So, uh, through the revival, Revival ministries in the past. I mentioned the first Great Awakening. Uh, folks like Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, Charles Finney. By the way, we talk about you know uh, personal scale revival and grand scale revival. You know Charles Finney had this encounter with God he was he was a lawyer and he walked off into the woods you know in this grappling with will i make Jesus Christ lord of my life and he bowed down on on his knees in in this in the in the woods and surrendered his life to the Lord, and wound up becoming an instrument of God. His personal revival, God used him uh, to be an instrument to see revival uh, uh, touch the world in a mighty way. And then there's folks like Dwight Moody, uh, Billy Sunday. Uh, literally millions of people have made commitments to Christ just through you know the, these uh, these folks and these revivals that I just mentioned. Those early revival meetings were noted for being being extremely emotional and church extremely personal big crowd of people very very personal encounter with the Lord can you say amen and and how many know you you know uh we don't throw our mind out to follow the Lord but Christianity is not intellectual right? We have, we, we have a soul, we have emotions, we have a mind, and all of that gets impacted when we encounter the Lord. And when we do have these times, these encounters with, uh, Pastor Walt would call it, counters with almightiness, right? You, you know, uh, it's, it's gonna affect us. It's going to impact our emotions at times. I say this because when God begins to pour out, things look a little different. Come on, can you say amen? you know things don't look reserved things don't stay quiet i'm getting all fired up just 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 you know starting to think about it you know it it there there's a, there's an unhindering of that that would constrain and that which would hold us back and and there's reckless abandon to the lord that's 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 what happens in this environment where where we're touched by by god and and you know it can look a lot of different ways based on what God is doing in that moment, based on what's going on in that person's life. I can remember uh, it was the first time I was... uh, I I was a youth leader, and it was my first trip away with our youth group, with Pastor Mark. He was the youth pastor, and this was my first trip for an overnight youth convention. And uh, as it turns out, there was this, uh, just this anointed brother uh, from Patterson. Greg Capers was his name. He was a pastor in Patterson. And uh, man, he just preached up a storm, and the Holy Spirit moved, and there was a call for everybody to be at, uh, you know, respond to the Lord. And, and I, I forgot I was there as, as a chaperone. And I was just down at the altar on my face. And uh, we started singing just, you, you know, the classic hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. And, and Holy Spirit fell on me so powerfully that all I could do, like I wept and I wailed And I wept until like, I could hardly breathe. And I got up from that altar so cleansed and and so aware that I just had this this fresh encounter with God. This this new level of interaction with Him, a new experience of, I know He's real up here to I've experienced He's real here and, and, and everywhere. Can you say amen? You know, here in a crowd, you know, kids from all around the state gathered in this room seeking God and doing all this stuff, this, this corporate thing that was happening, but it was so personal. And, and again, as I stop and make some of these comments along the way, I want you to... Uh, okay, Siri, stay out of it. Uh, as I stop it and make some uh, points along the way here, part of uh, the goal here tonight in, in the sharing is for us to have a clear picture biblically, but also for us to be aware that we give God liberty to do here what He wants to do here. Amen? Where we just make the room, you know? And when we see God doing things, I mean, we read it in the Gospels. They walked away from meetings with Jesus, and their response wasn't, that was a very tight, well-put-together, planned-out meeting that Jesus planned, right? That's not what they said. They walked away and they said, we have seen strange things today you know they in the king james they scratched their head that's my part i know they were scratching their head when they said what meaneth this you know what in the world am i seeing here you know but what they were seeing was salvation and healing and lives being changed and an encounter with god that was different than anything that was going on before jesus came on the scene You know, so uh, these revival meetings um, in the past, in the present, you know, individual, corporate, uh, personal, and uh, certainly impacting, uh, stirring people up. Uh, So let's talk about the ongoing need that the church over the ages has had. This need to be revived. Uh, We want to look at the Lord's purpose for bringing revival and then cultivate the important hunger that we need to carry so that we could live in a revived place. You know, we had a, a, a really great, uh, we, we have a meeting with all the leaders at the church, we call it our team huddle. We had a great meeting last night and we talked a lot about revival stuff last night, again, just for the leadership for us to be prepared. And I, I wanted to make sure that I didn't duplicate last night, but there's one thing that, uh, that, that I think is important for us as a whole church to realize. Um, what brings revival, and, and, and we'll have a better picture on what we mean by that statement by the time we're done or maybe refreshing for some of us. What brings revival is a love for the God of revival. What makes it get quenched and put out is when we start to love revival and not the God of the revival. Amen, right? Love him versus loving what he's doing. We can't help when we love him, he's gonna move and he's gonna do wonderful things. Uh, But in the process, you know, the whole point of what he wants to do is is to bring us back to a place of spiritual health. Uh, Again, really, you know, the world would look and say, wow, they're, they're like really extreme for God, you know? But biblically, we would look at it and we'd say, no, that's really what God calls normal, living for him, right? Loving him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. What does that look like to just every day get up and Lord, I love you with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength. And, and Lord, I'm loving my neighbor as myself. I mean, that, that, that is a picture of living revived. So we'll mention a few revivals in history. Uh, however, we want to keep in mind, uh, God is, uh, will always do things in unique ways. And there's always a variety of scope and focus depending on what God has in mind. You know, so uh, another place where I think people get into trouble is they see God doing something and they say, let's just box that up and duplicate it, you know, as if the the form is what's getting it done. But it's not the form. It's the God who is at work that we have our eyes on. And that could look just so different in, in so many different situations. Can you all say amen? All right, so let's look at what makes a move of God into an actual revival and what God's purpose is in bringing it. Um, so let's ask ourselves as we're going through and as we're hearing some of this, let's just ask ourselves, hey, Lord, do I need revival? Do I, do I need you to do some reviving? Uh, you may discover that God is on the verge of reviving you. You know, I've been doing uh, just, there's just been a lot of thinking back. Um, I just mentioned to you uh, uh, Pastor Capers and you know that meeting there. It's actually it was in Cherry Hill, uh, and it was my my first time as a youth leader chaperone. But then beyond that, my more more prolonged exposure to revival was through the Brownsville revival. And I'm looking back over here at the bowetties and I remember um, when Brownsville they were going around and uh, touring uh, in different areas. Literally, the revival that was going on in Florida in the 90s, they wound up taking it around to stadiums, uh, and they brought it up to North Jersey, and for the daytime sessions, they needed a church. So That was hosted at Calvary Temple, where I was a youth pastor, and uh, it's so, so cool how God works. Um, you know, the pastors were sitting around the table, and our senior pastor said, we need somebody from this church to uh, be a part of the planning and help with the serving and facilitating of all of this so i was like i'll do it you know when i volunteered and little did i know you know and i can remember I, I actually was remembering talking to you guys in the lobby right i think you were making tapes or something right and you're just running around busy but uh here i am thinking boy these really nice folks bonnie grodberg you know just thinking really nice folks at, at the church of grace and peace thinking i'm never going to leave north jersey You know, and in the midst of what God is doing in revival, he's always got bigger pictures going on for our lives than we're ever seeing at the time, you know? So uh, it's just that the key is for us to keep our eyes on the God of revival and watch him do what he does. Amen. So, uh, you you know, this revival picture, let's paint it out some more. Uh, People would suddenly become overwhelmed and convicted of their sin. Uh, give their lives to Christ in massive Uh, numbers—let's use the term mediocre uh, Christianity—would drastically change and become fervent. A lot of times, you know, uh, instead it would be the fire of God. You know, somebody's got the fire of God in their life. Uh, miracles, healings, all sorts of manifestations as God is moving and cleaning people out and pouring the spirit out on them. Um, and, and oftentimes uh, affecting the way the church ministers, you know, for years to come. Webster's uh, dictionary says that to be revived is to be returned or restored to life, to be made active and flourishing again. So when we talk about what, what, what does God do? What's his purpose in revival? There it is right there to return or restore to life, to be made active and to flourish again. We could then define revival as the passionate reawakening of our hearts to the presence of God and his mission for our lives. Isn't that good? right? You know, and, uh, you know, in asking that question, uh, hey, Lord, do I need some reviving? You know, if the answer is yes, then the response is, Lord, I'm, I'm going to seek you. Lord, I'm pressing into you. So, let's look at three particular passages that indicate God's intention concerning revival. Okay, the first one, let's look at First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, and it says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving Be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So, the first thing that God will do in revival, He'll use it to save the lost. Now, understand here tonight, you know, when, when, when you have conversations, we can hear words like, okay, there was an awakening, there was an outpouring, there was a revival. You know, if, if you're somebody who has heard, heard uh, you know, that in different contexts, uh, I, I'm kind of lumping that all in together when God pours out his spirit in order to grow his kingdom, right? That's what we're talking about here in revival. He wants to save the lost. He's not willing that any should perish. You, you know, uh, there was uh, 106 people from, I don't know, probably a half a dozen, maybe more different churches that came out on, uh, on Sunday evening for prayer. And uh, it, it was uh, led by Move the Earth and Glenis and Sean Highland. And it was two hours of prayer with some worship sprinkled in between. But there was so much prayer that went out, so much fervent fire of God prayer that went out for the lost, for people who don't know God. You know, even praying for those in our government that we see that are walking out policies that are opposite of the Word of God, it was praying for their salvation because God's not willing that any should perish. Come on, can you say amen? You know, so, so in revival, remember, it's, it's, it's a restoring of us, uh, a heart for him, and, and to walk out his mission for us. So, according to this scripture, God asks us to pray. He desires for all of us to be saved and to come to know the truth. Our involvement with prayer uh, is the process that God uses in the salvation of others. You know, I, I stand before you a believer today because I had a praying mom that was praying for me when I was running in the opposite direction, you know. So, so uh, there's always somebody praying, whether it's somebody interceding, and they don't know who they're praying for, but God's, you know, targeting you in that prayer, or whether it's a loved one that's praying for us. So, Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen regarding the idea of praying, right? Probably a lot of us know this verse. God says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray." And seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven; I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. So when God uh, pours out His Spirit, people begin to reject their sin, and they give their lives to Him. Right? And we read that all through the Book of Acts as as. Uh, Paul is going through to different places, you know, and preaching the gospel, and people are turning to God. Man, they're surrendering. I mean, in in Ephesus, it caused a riot because everybody was getting rid of their idols, and the guy who made the idols, it was bankrupting him, was putting him out of business, you know, so he he, he wanted them to stop doing what they were doing. On the day of Pentecost, uh, 3,000 people accepted Christ all at one time, And and it tells us many more were added to that number daily. Man, we, we have uh, close to 100,000 people that live just in Tom's River. Oh, God, that we would, that our hearts would be gripped with God's heart. He's not willing that one would perish, right? Right in our backyard. Oh, God, that through this church and all the healthy Bible-believing churches around our area, Lord, that not one would perish. Lord, that we would stand in the gap for them and pray that they would hear the gospel, that their hearts would be softened. Lord, that there would be days. Lord, let it be this Resurrection Sunday here in Ocean County that 3,000 are added to our number that didn't know Jesus, and that we could say, and daily more being added to the church. Amen? Amen? Why not? Same God that poured out, that, that wants to keep pouring out. Amen? Uh, During the great awakening of the mid-1700s, tens of thousands of people came forward to be revived and gave their hearts to Jesus. During the second great awakening, uh, during the early 1800s, literally millions of people made first-time decisions to make Jesus Christ their Lord. In 1917, uh, the ministry of revivalist Billy Sunday, uh, it's it's documented over 98,000 people uh, uh, became believers in New York City alone. Isn't that awesome, huh? Woo! Glory to God. As hard-hearted as people seem these days, God is still moving powerfully. And again, we we were talking about this last night. You know, we had this uh, you know, the, the Grammys, you know, just, just televised all around our nation. And, you know, hey, we had this uh, dude that needs Jesus. Getting up and and doing a uh, just a, a demonic uh, tribute as a song to open everything up and, and i didn 't hear this personally. it was conveyed to me from somebody else that one of the, the um, you know, network people said something along the lines of well let 's get ready to worship because it was but it was like this satanic thing that was going on you know and that same week started hearing about. This university in Asbury, Kentucky, where this generation that so many folks have been criticizing and saying, ah, we're done for, post-Christian, ah, that generation, they don't this, they don't that, they don't know this, they act this way, they don't act that way. And here God is saying, it's not too big for me. Here's God saying, this is what I do. And, and this this beautiful this beautiful time uh, happens here, where these students they go to a chapel, and you know somebody went to the leadership and said they're still there, and leadership said who's where the students they're still in chapel what are they doing they're still worshiping and they stayed through and more students got on board and then there became this move you know and you know i heard about it i thought well praise god that's beautiful and then there's people who heard and said i got to go check it out and all of a sudden they went and then lee university and then you know started hearing about this place and this place god stirring up hearts of students where they just decide spontaneously let's worship and seek god you know, and I kind of, you know, lamented last night talking with our leaders, and, and, and folks would have the audacity to say, you know, to criticize it, you know, like, God, help us. God, help your body to get revived. How beautiful. I saw that as a picture of God saying, I know you've been beat up these last couple of years. I know it looks like as you're praying, it's going in reverse. But guess what? It's not. As God's people pray, as God's people seek His face, turn from their wicked ways, God hears, He responds, and He heals our land. And I love it that He moved in a generation of people. I love that no person can get any glory for that. I love that it was just hungry hearts in a generation that unfortunately, much of the body of Christ is just written off. God is so good, amen? Amen. So so I mean, we can just kind of clear the slate and say, Lord, yup. in the natural, that, that doesn't look great, but you, you are just so much bigger than that. I feel like that was not only to what he did to minister in the lives of all those students and what's continuing to go on, but I think for the body of Christ, it was him coming and giving us a smooch on the cheek saying, I got you, I got you, and I got this because right? doesn't it say in these last days we read two things about these last days man you know gross darkness and we also see at the same time god's spirit getting poured out on all flesh you know so we, we we can be excited we can rejoice in that so um people giving their lives and turning uh their lives to christ and then of course we look at you know around the world god does does things in hard places You know, the underground church for years, it's so much bigger than ever could be recorded of what's going on in China. You know, we we know Iran, how difficult, you know, the regime and everything has been in Iran. How many know, uh, have have been made aware, the body of Christ is exploding in Iran. It's, it's, It's growing in a way that only God could do you know, in, in, in these closed places. So God is in the business of saving people, and it's oftentimes through these mighty outpourings. All right, a second a scripture that we'll look at here is gonna, is gonna show this second thing that God does with revival, is he'll use revival to bring healing and hope to people's lives. And sometimes, uh, you know, that, that is, you know, in just absolutely spectacular ways where, you know, there's medical things that you just can't, um, you, you know, have any other explanation for. Uh, but then there's other times where it's no less miraculous of God healing broken hearts and binding up wounds. And, and you know, again, the, the statistics are, are starting to come out of, you know, from the time in lockdown— you know, and for the stress and anxiety that folks have walked through uh, during this season. Uh, folks who have left their employment, they called it the great resignation. How many have heard that, ter- that, that, that uh, terminology about people just resigning jobs and not being able to get back to work and, you know, all this stuff that's going on and how that affects relationships and families and marriages? And, and then we know all of the liberal agenda that's gone in and that has brought such confusion and and to indoctrinate that confusion into the next generation. As ugly and horrific as that is, as much as we wanna be watchmen on the wall and push back against that, we can know in what we're seeing that we don't have to despair. Because what, what's happening is an environment is being created that's just the kind of environment where God will come and show who he is, right? I tell you, the the liberal culture is inundating and saturating movies, media, streaming shows, uh, painting religion as evil and as the enemy. Come on, how many have seen that, right? You know, you start watching a show for five minutes and you're like, oh, there's the pop at Christianity. And it's not even like, oh, we got to do better with that. It's just false stuff, you know? But the good news is in all of that is God will see that and God will say, no, let me show you who I am. And no critic and no demon in hell will be able to stand against that experience and that encounter that people have with God, amen? So in all of this, I'm saying, there's hope, there's hope, there's hope. And we got this beautiful verse from Isaiah 35, verses 3 to 8. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Waters will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, and the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. That's a picture of revival happening, right? Of of hearts being healed, of of, uh, lives and bodies being healed. So here's the bottom line, right? In revival, God wants his people whole. And again, let's understand that He wants that to be normal, that we press in and that we seek Him and that we live in a place of of being personally revived. Everybody tracking so far? Amen? All right. Um, So there's many scriptures uh, in in the Bible that show how God touched people with healing uh, and hope through renewal and revival. Uh, We could look at Acts five. Uh, verses two to sixteen uh, shows that uh, the the Spirit was moving so powerfully in the days following Pentecost that huge crowds of people experienced complete and total healings. I mean, to the point where you know shadows you know, from those that were ministering, you know, as, as, as Holy Spirit was working through them, that their shadow was touching people. And just, just in their shadow, there was such anointing there where, where uh, they, were being, they were being healed from that. Uh, and then during past moves of God, uh, all kinds of healings were reported, are being reported, continue to be reported. In a revival atmosphere, God does move powerfully to heal lives and to, and to heal souls and to heal bodies. Come on, can you say amen? All right. Uh, And again, in this century, God continues to do it. Uh, During the mid-1920s, the local papers published uh, numerous testimonies of miraculous healings taking place at the revival meetings held by evangelist Amy Semple McPherson. Uh, And I'm actually reading now a little bit about William Seymour uh, as, you know, he was the the catalyst that God used for the Azusa Street Revival, 1906, uh, out in Los Angeles, California. And God used that as a Modern revival of Pentecost that swept around the world, and it was really cool uh, y- you know that there were there were uh, such awesome, bona fide, undeniable miracles that happened that got put in the newspaper, you know, and you had the person there giving the testimony saying, look, here I am. You know, just, just like, uh, you, you know, when Jesus, you know, healed the blind guy and, and you know, and they're trying to argue with him, you know, and, and he says, look, this is what I know. I was blind, now I see. And it was that guy, Jesus, you know, kind you know, kind of a picture. So, you know, and then we had, you know, the 1950s Oral Roberts healing crusades and tens of thousands healed. And again, we know in our, in our modern time, hey, we just had a, a couple of Sundays ago where there was a word given, uh, as our worship team was worshiping and, and I already got back, haven't had a chance to really check in on any more, but two folks who had chronic things, uh, going on in their body and the word of wisdom was God's touching, God's dealing with that here, uh. And they've been healed from that, you know, hungry hearts pursuing God, right? As we hungrily seek him and not let go of him. You know, I think of, uh, we read in the Bible about the woman with the issue of blood, right? If you don't, if you're not familiar with the story, there's this great crowd of people around Jesus, you know, and, and we're told, she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And, you know, she, uh, she had, you know, this, this bleeding issue uh, that, that was an ongoing chronic thing according to the, the Hebrew law. And when anybody got close to her, she was supposed to say, unclean, you know. Uh, and yet here she is knowing who Jesus is, knowing what God, you, you know, what, what he wants to do. And she says, I'm taking my life in my hands here. You talk about hunger. I'm getting in there and I'm getting a hold of the hem of his garment. Get, get, get our hearts around that for a second. Jesus didn't turn around and say, oh, daughter, you have a sickness. Let me lay my hands and heal you. No, he turned around and he said, who touched me? Because he knew healing power went out of him. You know, and the disciples, you know, I'm so encouraged when we read about the disciples because there's hope for me. They're so dense. They're like, Lord, there's a lot of people around you, you know. What do you mean? Who's touching you? You know, and he's got to clarify for them, no, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm telling power just went out and she fell down. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. That was a hungry, I'm not letting go, uh, get it or die trying kind of a faith. That's the kind of uh, posture that we want to have as we seek God to, to to live revived lives. Can you say amen? Amen. So, uh, all right, let's look at a a third thing here. Uh, God uses revival to bring new life and fervor to his people. So, so far we've spoken about God wants to reach the lost because he's not willing that any would perish. We talked about God wants to restore and make folks whole. Spirit, soul, mind, and body, uh, and let's talk about now. Now, literally renewing his people, and, and we see in Joel chapter two, and I mentioned this just a, a few minutes ago, in the last days, uh, verses twenty-eight to twenty-nine. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I still, I'm, I'm still asking for visions, not for dreams. I want to be in that young men category from God's perspective. Amen. Uh, Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So, so this picture, who's God pouring his spirit on, out on? All people. Right? His desires for his spirit to be poured out on Everybody. Uh, The result of the outpouring, prophecy, dreams, visions, so hearing from heaven, direction from God, and then these other things we spoke about, lives being impacted, lives being transformed, miraculous things happening because that's God's nature. So whenever God begins to pour his spirit out in a mighty way, people begin to dedicate themselves more and more to the Lord. You know, unfortunately, uh, the, the... tendency of people is to cool off and move away from God. It it doesn't have to be that way. But in general, we see it in Israel. We see it in the New Testament church. You know, people get get fired up for God, and and then, you know, one thing or another— you know, can wind up getting in the way, uh, which is why there is need for times of revival and renewal. I know our heart is that we would live here in this place where there would be a, a culture and an atmosphere that we want it to be spiritually a sauna, not a freezer. We don't want it to be where, hey, I got around those grace and peace folks and just cooled right off for God. No, we want it to be got around those grace and peace folks, and the fire of God is in that community. That doesn't mean we're always going to be walking, carrying a fire. Sometimes I need to get up, you know, next to you and get some of your fire, you know, and, 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 and vice versa, right? But it's that, that we would live in a way uh, of, of being revived, you know, which means we just simply steward our walk with God. And hey, it goes back to this, this theme that we're focusing on this year, to live on purpose, You know, to live live on purpose is to say, okay, I'm going to identify what the important things should be, and then I'm going to live intentionally to make sure the important things are happening in my life. Amen? Amen. You know, so if the Lord says, hey, the, the greatest commandment is love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love my neighbor as myself, that shouldn't be an afterthought in any of our lives. I know I let that be an afterthought far too often. That should be front and center as a part of my lifestyle. That should be front and center as a part of the culture and the way we live our lives. And we just love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And how many know any earthly, whether it's a friendship, a marriage, uh, a working relationship, how many know for it to be healthy, it requires work and investment and prioritizing, and fighting for right so when we say all right if if that's god's main priority for my life and and i want his priority to to be my priority man i gotta i gotta purposely live in a way where i'm keeping that relationship nurtured and protected and grown and cultivated come on can you say amen? amen pretty cool enoch in the old testament walked with god it says and then he was no more Because he just got carried right up on into heaven. That's pretty cool. He just just kept walking with God. Amen. Amen. Uh, During the uh, Azusa Street revival uh, of 1906, uh, there was uh, a great consecration to praying and seeking the face of God. And that's why, you you know, coupled together, right, hunger is going to fuel our prayer time if not prayer is going to become a drudgery it's going to become a routine thing it's going to become something that uh that that we feel is an obligation to do but when when we are in a place of recognizing my prayers god wants to work through god is not willing that any should perish and because of that he has made me his partner So that if I would pray for the lost around me, he desires to work through my prayers to see lost people saved. Amen. Amen. So, uh, you you know, uh, hunger, uh, humility, hunger, and holiness are three things that are, that's important at any time. But in this season that we're in right now, those are important things for us right now a humility. Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm dependent on you. I need you to to, to work in my life. I'm in pursuit of you. I I can't make this happen. I can't uh, do it without you. So I'm I'm pursuing you. And God, I'm hungry. I'm not going to let go. How many know sometimes God will even, he'll get quiet, not because he's mad at you or not because he doesn't like you, but he wants you to pursue him Yeah, well, I talked to God, I didn't hear anything. Amen. Devil says, yeah, all right, so move on to the next thing. What God is really saying is press in. Press in. Just keep coming after me. Keep worshiping. Keep seeking. Get hungrier. Amen. So, so in preparation, you know, for, for us, uh, you, you know, what does it look like to prepare to live in line with what God wants to do. A couple of sides to this. The first one is, all right, so am I keeping a humble heart and living humbly before him? Am I hungry? And then, you know, holiness, we can't make ourselves holy. It's, It's his work in our lives that makes us holy, but holy means to be set apart, set apart from one thing and set apart to another thing. So we're set apart from sin because of the blood of Jesus, and we're set apart unto God, So in pursuit of a revived life, in pursuit of what God wants to do in seasons and times like this, you know, uh, it, it, it does us well to say, is there anything in my life that's keeping me from being set apart? Holiness unto the Lord. Lord, is there anything in my life? It's so interesting. Lay aside, to run our race, lay aside the weights and the sins that easily beset us. So sin is sin, that's easy. We just, you know, know enough of the Bible, just ABCs of the Bible, we'll get a, a basic handle on what's sin. So we lay aside sin, that's the given. But then there's things that can be weights that that beset us, that trip us up, that keep us from running the race that he has for us. So hunger and and humility and holiness, that's, that's to say, all right, Lord, is there anything in my life right now that's getting in the way of you fully having my heart. Sometimes it's not bad things, but sometimes it's just things that get overgrown in our lives, right? And sometimes they'll say, put them down for a season. I remember for me, aviation for a while, it was overgrown. And, and actually, I was wrestling back and forth with my calling. And it was one of those times where I heard his voice uh, so clearly in my heart, and it was, it was stern. And it was, put it down and don't pick it up again until I tell you." And I was like, okay, I got it. And I did, and and actually forgot about it for years. And then randomly out of the blue one time, I I heard the Lord speaking to my heart. I wasn't thinking about flying. I just, I heard in my heart, you can pick that back up again now. And I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, cool. You know, so there's times where he'll just, you know, what I'm saying is something that's bad for now. It might be just it's overgrown. I got to get priorities in order. I got to get revived, get where where things are as they should be with the Lord, and then the pieces can come back in, right? That's why times of fasting and prayer, seasons of setting apart. But how many are catching the, the heart of what we're talking about here when we start to do this stuff out of obligation? out of calendar, out of because it's what worked before rather than I am in pursuit of the God who wants to revive and restore and save me and give me the best purpose for my life. Therefore, because of that pursuit, I'm going to walk these things out. Amen? Amen. All right. So, uh, You know, talking about humility, 2 Corinthians 7.10, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. You know, so there's a sorrow, there's a guilt, and there's a condemnation that's in the world that's part of the voice of the enemy. That's not God's voice. God's voice is always restorative. You know, if we find, man, I'm missing the mark or there's sin or junk in my life, God's voice is always uh, uh, to to restore us back to him. You know, it brings repentance that leads to salvation and there's no regret on the other side of it. Romans 2, 4, or do you show contention contempt for the riches of his kindness forbearance and patience not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance so isn't that beautiful when God brings conviction you know when I mentioned a few minutes back about wailing and weeping at that altar it was over my my lack of holiness in the presence of a holy God That's what was going on. It was an encounter with his presence that overwhelmed me. And there was such a brokenness and such a pouring out and an end of me and a a calling, you know, calling out for him. And on the other side of it, I got up so cleansed, you know, weeping and, and wailing. It was a kindness because he was restoring my life. Can you say amen? That's how he does it. That's what he does. And and as far as hunger, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Amen. Praise you, Lord. All right. Uh, I think we're going to bring it in for a landing here. Uh, James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Amen. So as we get ready to uh, just close in prayer here. Just checking. I want to make sure there's nothing that... I leave out that I should have shared. No, I just I just wanted to share some some revival quotes, and then let's pray. Do not be satisfied with as much Christianity as will only ease your conscience. Well, that's a good one, huh? By the time the average Christian gets his temperature up to normal, everybody thinks he has a fever. <laughs> That was Watchman Knee. Charles Spurgeon said, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies, going back to God's desire that none would perish. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. It's going back to that first point that we brought up, right? About God is not willing that any should perish. And we're his hands, his feet, his voice, his heart. And, and hear me tonight, church. You know, we're talking about a standard that we don't reach in the natural. We, we don't hear a message like this and go out and say, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to snap it into gear. No, a message like this, what we want it to do is to soften up our hearts, break up the ground of our hearts and say, Lord, I'm going to press in and seek you. And, and I want your heart. I want to know your ways. Amen. A couple more. Samuel Chadwick, spirit-filled souls ablaze for God they love with a love that glows. They serve with a faith that kindles. They serve with a devotion that consumes. They hate sin with fierceness that burns. They rejoice with a joy that radiates. Love is perfected in the fire of God. Amen, Jay. We were talking about that last night, the fire of God protect the fire of God. William Booth, work as if everything depended upon your work and pray as if everything depended on your prayer. That's a good way to live. John Bunyan, prayer will make a man cease from sin or sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. True words. David Smithers, hell is larger today than it was yesterday because many of us have failed to pray. And then Oswald Chambers and we'll, we'll pray. We are not built for ourselves, but for God. Not for service for God, but for God. And so let's bring it back to, you know, we, we don't want revival. We don't want the outpouring. We want the God of revival, the God of the outpouring. And then as he pours out, the goal of that is for that then to keep our hearts ablaze for him as we walk out our love for him and then the great mission and purpose that he has for each of our lives. Can you say amen? Praise God. Praise God. Hey, why don't we stand up together and why don't we close up in prayer? So again, the goal of that was just you know, as you hear a conversation about prayer and uh and, and about revival and certainly sunday nights it's it 's a, a topic we 'll often visit and and in uh, touch and look at over and over again, you know we kind of have a, a, a kind of a unified picture of what just that means and what we're looking at, you know, wholeness and restoration and the lost being saved and the body of Christ. You know, again, we, we don't want to be part of those that see a person on fire for God and and have what God calls normal. We call a fever. You know, we want to say, yep, that's normal. And, and And Lord, just take us, take us by the hand and help us live there. And, you know, uh, I believe it was John Wesley who said, I, I set myself on fire and people come and watch me burn. You know, that's, that's the picture for us as a church family. And anybody who's been around for a while, know I'm not talking in any way about anything that we manufacture solically or in the flesh, right? Amen. I'm just talking about we come and say, wow, there's so much more of you, God. And I'm hungry and I'm pursuing you. And when that fire, which, which there's beautiful things going on this isn't in any way a knock there's great things going on right now but he's on the move right and he's taking us somewhere and the community will come in they'll see the light they'll see the fire burning and the community will want to come in and then what we have to offer them is not religion is not the church of grace and peace but it's the lord jesus christ and, and his Holy Spirit at work among his people. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, Father, as we close our service time here today, we're, we just love you so much. We're so grateful to have relationship with you, to know you. Lord, we're so grateful that our, our eternity, we've been rescued from our sin and our eternity is set with you. Thank you, Lord. And God, as we've just spent some time looking at your heart and what you've done and what you're doing now, Lord, we say that we want to be in step with you. Lord, I know we've prayed this prayer at different points over this year. And Lord, we just say one more time here tonight, we want to be those that continue to seek you God, we wanna be those that experience personal revival amidst what you're orchestrating in this land, in this world that is so broken and so hurting and so lost. And so Lord, we just say here tonight, afresh and anew, that we surrender all that we are to you. We say, Lord, that we humble ourselves before you We bow the knee of our heart to you afresh in the new. And we say, Jesus Christ, be Lord and Savior and Captain and Master and King over all all that we are, over all of our lives. We give to you our past. We give to you the now. We give to you our future. And Lord... Deliver us from anything and everything that would cool us off from being red hot for you. Lord, give us a hunger. Lord, we we pray the prayer of Smith Wigglesworth. I'm only satisfied with the satisfaction that needs to be satisfied again and again. A hunger. To keep in pursuit of you, a hunger to fight to keep you first in our lives. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to discern. Lord, just like Isaiah, when he had that encounter in in the throne room and the train of your robe filled the temple, and he was undone because it was a greater revelation of your holiness. Lord, grant that to us. Deliver us from the the delusion or the lie that would say this world has anything better to offer than, than a life that's in fellowship and devotion to you. So God, we just say that we're yours. We say have your way. Lord, here at the Church of Grace and Peace, just continue to move us forward in every good plan and purpose that you have for us. May we carry your heart for this world around us, for the lost. Lord, nothing we want to conjure up in our our flesh, in our soul, Nothing that we want to manufacture, but God, we're just humbly asking tonight, give us a fresh outpouring of your heart and your spirit. So God, even as we go from this place, continue to prepare our hearts to be those that would seek you, to be those that would hunger after you. Lord, do a fresh work in each one here tonight, here in person, listening. God, we just give you praise for it. All of this we pray in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.